I am Pastor Kevin. I'm the lead pastor here. And I want to tell you a story before we completely jump in. If you've been with us for a few weeks, you know, maybe you're pretty certain we're in Matthew 5. You'd guess right. But before we go there, I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, I was, uh, I grew up in a Christian house, always going to church. Um, but, you know, there, there are different expectations with different traditions, right? Different experiences with different traditions, okay? And I would say I grew up in more conservative sort of circle when it came to things of the Holy Spirit. You didn't really say those two words. Not normally, you know, unless you're reading the Bible. It, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was something that we didn't talk a lot about growing up, the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Well, I had this undeniable experience with the Holy Spirit, and for this Baptist boy, it scared me. I didn't know what in the world was going on, but I just saw the world completely differently. And I knew I was a Christian, but I just had this undeniable experience, and the Holy Spirit just changed everything. And so as I'm growing with God and experiencing the Holy Spirit and, and pursuing prayer and community like never before, uh, at some point there were just a lot of life big life transitions ahead. I was about to graduate college and, and doing a lot of di uh, things differently. And I had never at that point fasted in my life. Never, you know? Uh, I think in youth group, we would do this thing called 30 hour famine, but you cheat and someone goes and gets McDonald's when, you know, the teacher's gone, you know? Uh, but I had never seriously done it as a discipline. I had never seriously gone without for the purpose of growing with God. So I decided to go all in. And at first, I was like, I can do this for 40 days. No, I, okay, very quickly, I, I realized, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I think day two, I realized 40 is unattainable for me, unless I want to go to the hospital uh, in my current state. So I said, I'm going to go as long as, as I can, and I'm just going to pray that God would just give me peace, and, and when I'm done, I'm done, you know. Wound up going 10 days, 10 days, 10 whole days. And fasting is strange, though, because... I mean, think about it. We purposefully go without food or certain foods for a given amount of time to accomplish what? Spiritual depth, maybe? Uh, spiritual intimacy, maybe reliance. So hunger, hear me say this, hunger then, it delivers something to us. Hunger gives you something. I would say hunger gives you perspective. And so if you've been following along in our series, hashtag blessed, then you know we're in Matthew 5. We're taking a beatitude every Sunday and picking it apart and just asking like, why this one? Why did Jesus do it this way? And, and really it's delivering much needed perspective to us all, myself included. I've, I've just loved doing a deeper study on this um, through the week in my quiet time. And it's just been really beneficial for me. But let's go to Matthew 5. We're going to pick up in verse 1. We're going to read these six verses. We're going to read the Beatitudes we've already covered. And if you've missed one on a Sunday, please go back. You can catch it on Spotify or YouTube. Uh, but let's, let's, let's go through verse six here, starting in verse one, though. Uh, it says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Come on, someone help me. Who's him? Who's he? Who's that? Jesus. You got it. Look at that. Look at that. Y'all are super saved. And... He opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And for our purposes today, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. 
pray with me really, really quick. Uh, Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. We thank you for these, these words that just compel us. Um, and I pray today just draws us closer to your purpose, your purpose for our lives. And that we would just encounter your love in a real tangible way. And I thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want to talk about hunger for a little bit today. So if you skip breakfast, that's on you, okay? It may be unfair to do before lunch, but hunger is important. Hunger, it's a survival instinct, and we were created with that instinct to help us live. And so the beatitude, you know, it reads, uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So let's talk about hunger. Um, Here's the point I guess I'm going to come back to over and over today. That, that I think everyone would agree with, whether you're, you're struggling with faith, maybe you're more agnostic, or you call yourself a person of faith, you follow Christ. I think everyone across the board can agree with this statement, so it's pretty straightforward. Hunger is an indicator of need. I know, brilliant, right? Isn't it incredible? The, these are the things that I spend hours on every week. So hunger is an indicator of need. So with this statement in mind, and we'll come back to it, uh, this in, in two ways, really. Hunger is an indicator of need. It's true of our physical selves, but today I want to argue it's true of your spiritual self as well. It's true of your souls as well. So we're going to jump back and forth from this idea of physical hunger and spiritual hunger, and, and you'll be able to figure out which one we're talking about. But we're going to go places today, so keep that in mind. Physical hunger, spiritual hunger. Hunger is an indicator of need. Hunger is a good thing. It's just, what are we going to do with it? So we'll be jumping around a little bit. But listen, uh, the Bible actually has a lot to say about this too, uh, making this comparison uh, all the time, this idea of physical hunger and spiritual hunger. Probably the the most well-known example comes from Galatians 5. Galatians 5, it says, the fruits of the Spirit, and it lists nine virtues, nine characteristics The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I love how I heard one pastor say it. He said, God wants spiritual fruits, not religious nuts. And yeah, there's that laugh. That was good. And uh, I, I always appreciated that statement. That was good. Now, if you're like me, maybe you're more of a visual learner. Uh, That's just how I am, and that's how I operate. So I've got some help today in case you need some help understanding, because it's not an accident. Nothing is in the Bible by accident, by the way. So it's fitting that these two verses are talking about healthy foods, actually. So let's let's, let's look at this for a second. Okay, we got love. We got the fruit of love. So we got a good old mango. We got got love, baby, you know, And, and I just, I love love. It's a good thing, all right? Where can I set these where the worship team won't step on them? There we go. So we got love. These may get a little out of order, and that's okay. Come on. There's my, where's my joy? Oh, here's my joy. There's my joy. No, that's peace. No, there's my joy. There's my joy. Okay, we got a, we got a nice kiwi. That's joy. You know, it's bright. It's nice. It's probably not going to roll off the stage. That's a good thing. I got peace. Good lime. We got peace, too. And it just helps me, again, this helps me at least. Maybe it doesn't help you. That's okay. It helps me remember these things. You got all these good fruits in here. Uh, again, maybe getting out of order here, that's okay. Uh, I got an apple of goodness. Come on, like goodness. That's, that's great. Um, I got 
I got faithfulness, because, you know, that's, that's always good, right? Um, ooh, now this one, it does require a little help. And I chose this one specifically for a reason. I got the tomato of patience, because you need patience to understand this is a fruit. And at some point, you'll recognize that. I'm going to give you some patience for recognizing it's not a vegetable. That's good. Uh, also, oh, kindness. Kindness, the orange of kindness, okay? Uh, one of my favorites is gentleness. Gentleness, got a good watermelon of gentleness. I couldn't fit the full size, obviously. Um, but I made sure to make that one big because I think we can all figure to grow in that. By the way, I'll be giving these out later in a passive-aggressive manner of ways I think you should grow. <laughs> See, I got a orange for Mike Rogan. Got an apple for Lori. No, I'm just kidding. Kidding, kidding. Last one. Last one is self-control. Self-control. And so, if you're like me, I don't know, it, it may hit home a little easier for you to understand that these are the fruits of the Spirit. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing to consider all of these things. And there's a reason that the Bible talks about fruits of the Spirit, not fries of the Spirit. And that these are attributes that we would liken to spiritual growth. Now, for example, for example, Galatians 5, it does not say the fruits of the Spirit help with good money management. That's, that's fine. It says self-control which really reaches into a lot of areas of life, okay? Because this isn't just about personal growth. It doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit help you manage the expectations of others better. But it does list kindness and faithfulness, which are good indicators of much more than, spirit, than, than, than personal growth, but spiritual characteristics. Okay, so church, listen, this isn't about self-help. This is helping us recognize our hunger. Our hunger is good. It's just... What are we taking in? Your hunger is a good thing. It's just, what are you doing with it? Hunger is an indicator of need. The question is, what are you going to consume? What are you going to take in? And just so you know, quantity does not equal quality either. Okay, so Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So in short, this is the meaning of that, okay? I'll give you the answer right now. You don't have to wait till the end. Please wait, but you don't have to wait till the end. To hunger and thirst for righteousness is to possess an active spiritual longing. So if you are a Christian today, if you claim to follow Christ, at some point in your walk, at some point in this relationship with God, you've known and had this deep longing, but maybe you're feeling a little distant now. Or maybe you're in a vibrant place right now, and it is this longing to grow, this longing to experience God. Those are good things. Put another way, maybe it is, it is well with my soul. It's this, it's this, I guess it's this longing for growth, but it's this meekness, it's this humility, this contentment of the soul. Now listen, righteousness, it is such a churchy word, but it simply means right relationship with God and other people. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for a right relationship with God and other people. I am satisfied 
when I am in a right relationship with God and people. But as I live and know people and know myself, I would say there are great, there's a great many of us right now who would simply say, if we're being honest, I don't like that S word at the end. I don't, I'm, I don't like that because that's not how it feels. I don't feel content. I don't feel satisfied right now. Something is amiss. And listen, I go through that too. So, so how do we get that? How do we, how do we achieve satisfaction? How do we get there? How do we arrive at that? Well, according to Jesus, it's through hunger and it's through thirst. But is hunger ever comfortable? No. If you're like me, you are grumpy. You are hangry. It's just a blend of hunger and anger at all times. Literally, two days ago, Kelsey was like, you are a new person after lunch. And I said, I know. I got, I got ways to grow. I'm not going to lie, okay? I can always grow. Now listen, the Bible has a great example of what happens to you when you get hungry and if you don't manage it well, okay? It's one of my favorite stories, and it comes from Genesis 25. Just so you know, in this story, there are these there are these boys, there are these twin boys. Their parents are named Isaac and Rebekah, and they name them Esau and Jacob. Esau is born first. Jacob is born closely behind, clutching Esau's heel. Scripture says that when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter and a man of the field. It also says Jacob was a quiet man who dwelled among the tents. So you have your maybe... You have your classic example of masculinity on one end, getting a lot of attention from dad. Isaac, in this case, he's playing favorites, and he prefers Esau. And then you have another example of what it means to just grow up and be a man. And it says Jacob was dwelling among the tanks. He was quiet. And honestly, Rebecca was his favorite. These poor kids never had a chance at a normal life. Their parents playing favorites like that. Don't do that to kids, Okay. Let's pick up in verse 29, though. I, wanna, I wanted to set it up, but let's go into verse 29. These, these guys are older, okay? I wouldn't call them men, but maybe they are so immature, really. They are just boys who are probably 30 years old. So, 40 years old. Uh, so, picking up in verse 29, it says, Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. So, it already fits what we know about him, right? Jacob's inside the kitchen. Esau was out doing his own thing, trying to find food. Verse 30, and Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Verse 31, Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. What? I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. Imagine going through the Chick-fil-A drive-thru. Can I get a spicy chicken sandwich? Sell me your birthright now. You know? At the wrong time of day, I would say yes. So Esau says, I'm about to die. Come on, come on, man. Of what use is a birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me now. Batman voice, swear to me. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Just so you know, a birthright in this case, in this context, means inheritance. And Esau being the firstborn male, he's getting a big inheritance. Esau neglects it. Jacob is asking Esau for that big inheritance from Isaac, their wealthy father, when he dies. And Esau does it. Come on, can we just speak objectively? That's a bad trade. 
That's dumb. That's dumb, right? That, that's not smart. That's a bad trade. Now, uh, someone here at church, I am sure you have maybe a newish iPhone. Anyone have like a newish iPhone, maybe a 10 or above? Newish iPhone? Come on. Come on. Someone, I know you don't want to be embarrassed. I'm not going to embarrass you. I see some, I see some Ruas looking at each other over there. So, hey, okay, I will settle for an iPhone. Who has an iPhone? Who has an iPhone? Mike Rogan. Okay, he did it first. Sorry, sorry. Mike, uh, you know, it's, it's good when you get called out twice this early in a message. Okay, Mike, I've got a trade for you. I've got this apple, and you've got an apple. Uh, did you skip breakfast? Because I think I can succeed if you skip breakfast, maybe dinner for three days. There's no trade here happening though, right? No, no, of course not, of course not. Maybe more fruit? If I offer the whole bundle? Is there gonna be a trade that's gonna happen right now? Oh, he is thinking about it. No, okay, it's, fine. it's all right, it's all right, it's all right. I won't put you on the spot. No, you wouldn't do that because that's a bad trade, right? Right? No, that's, that's ridiculous, but go with me, church. While that one is fairly obvious to most of us, we make bad deals all the time still. We make bad decisions all the time. We make bad deals all the time. We get hungry for a relationship, so we lower the standards, right? And we make a bad trade. You know, we want, we want to feel loved and cared for, so we settle for sex, and we want love, but it's a bad trade. We want to fit in with a new group of friends, but to do so would require us to change who we are, or maybe some of our most important beliefs, but we do it because we want to fit in. We make a bad trade. Uh, we want things to go our way. We want more money, so we manipulate other people to get it. Come on, you're sacrificing. You're, you're trading your integrity. That's a bad trade. So I, I want to ask you, ask myself, how many bad trades are you making on a weekly basis? They don't have to be the extremes like that. But maybe with your time. Maybe at work. With the people you care about most. How many bad trades are you making every day when you can be present with people around you, the people that you love most, and yet we're just maybe scrolling on our phones? You know, like how many bad trades are we making all the time? We do the same thing. We convince ourselves that we need it right here, right now, but we're just like Esau. We make this bad trade. We think it's not a big deal. We, we think that we need this. Esau says, I'm about to die. No, he wasn't. But his exaggerated emotions led him to think so. So how have your exaggerated emotions caused you to make bad trades like this all the time? Maybe on Friday night when you know everyone else is out and you're home alone. Like, what sort of bad trades are you making? Esau is completely dissatisfied with this choice to give away his inheritance because he chose a dissatisfying meal from someone he couldn't trust. Beware of who you talk to when you're in a susceptible situation because Jacob does not have Esau's best interests in mind. And some of you, you drop a text to that person at 1 a.m., you up? What's going on? Listen, Esau, he was weak because he was hungry. And in times of great hunger, we reach for the quick fix sometimes, don't we? You'll go for the first thing that gets offered to you. And so I hope you can tell this analogy is going obviously beyond food. The analogy is for your heart, for your soul, because the reasons for most of the stress in our lives, it comes from being 
hungry and settling for a bad diet. We settle even for Bible verses that fit our situation, but may gloss over some of the more important, fuller context of, 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 of the scripture where it says that you should be slow to speak and quick to listen. Or maybe we avoid the verses about loving our enemies and praying God's blessing over them. We ignore the verses where Jesus says, by the measure you judge others, you will then be judged. What we really need is a healthy diet of a whole Bible. You hear me, church? A healthy diet of time and small group, a healthy diet where people will challenge you and encourage you and pray for you, but we settle. Ah, I'm going to flake. It's the hour of. I don't need to go. I'm not feeling it. I don't think that's, that it's for me. I committed, I know. I was feeling good two weeks ago on Sunday when you asked me for lunch. But it's the hour of, I didn't sleep well last night. Sorry, I can't make it. Hear this, please. You are not alone in that hunger. Your desire to fit in, your desire to belong, to be part of something bigger than yourself. I look at the creation narrative. I, I think hunger is a part of that, even before the fall. I think, I think there is a healthy hunger that keeps you desiring for more, keeps you desiring for growth. I think that's a good thing, and you want to belong somewhere. So in that case, yeah, the local church makes a lot of sense to me. We want to belong somewhere. So we belong to a group of people, to our tribe. And even in that, we want to belong to a greater purpose. We have a, a hunger for meaning and purpose and significance. And you don't have to be a Christian to believe that. There is a desire for truth. To know why we're here. And so obviously, I would argue it comes through Christ. Purpose comes through Jesus. And so God creating us and Jesus creating a way for us to know God once more. The hunger you have in your heart, the hunger you have in your soul is one only God can satisfy. Only relationship with Jesus can fulfill. But even if you are a Christian, even if you believe, you're allowed to, to struggle sometimes. Can, can we just like take a deep breath? You don't have to come here with your, your whole life together. You can just take a deep breath. And say, you know what, this is hard right now. Because you may have that healthy diet, so to speak. You may know God and claim Jesus is your Savior. But sometimes things just seem and feel off. There will, and, and in those moments, there will always be a temptation of trading your healthy food for bad ones. Your healthy habits for bad habits. Of trading a healthy diet for a poor one. There's always a temptation to do that. And so, I mean, again, thinking of food, but also just thinking of your spiritual well-being. I mean, is this the only experience that you have with worship every week? Is this the only time that we sit under the Word of God and study it for ourselves? Is this it? Imagine if you ate one time a week. You'd be miserable. Your friends would say you're miserable. People in your life. And yet we somehow... We will neglect that spiritual hunger. We'll try to put it in this 90-minute box on a Sunday and say, okay, I, I'm good now. Why do we do that to ourselves? My, I, I'm talking to myself. Why do we do that to ourselves sometimes? Listen, here, here's what I, I just want to encourage you with. As, as, as we do every week, here are some characteristics of people who, who really, I think, are consistent in this beatitude. When Jesus says, those who hunger and thirst, these are the things that, 
that come to mind for me. And the first one is that I think these are people who seek truth and they're not seeking agreement. And, and that can mean a lot of different things because I think sometimes we will maybe even approach someone that we know will pray for us in a way we want them to, but we're not really seeking the truth at that point, right? We're just kind of seeking affirmation. Or, or there are people who get confronted by different things, maybe in the world, a way they've always thought things were, and it's easy to seek agreement, to surround yourself with people who just think exactly like you. But honestly, we need the challenge. Our, our soul needs the challenge of different perspectives, of, of being approached with truth, to consider the truth and not to just pursue agreement of all of this. I think those who hunger and thirst, they care more about growing with God than being right. Could we be people who, who choose to pursue growth in lieu of, of trying to look the part, trying to look like we have it all together? Um, I also think those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for growth with God, to be in right relationship with God and other people, I think these are folks who don't live by feelings but by faith. Uh, and, and by that, I mean, well, I guess I heard a pastor say this in a podcast this week, and it was about something completely separate, but I haven't forgotten it. But he said, don't make minor things major things, and, and don't make major things minor things. And so I think faith is our major thing. It is the barometer by which we are to live. And so I'm not going to say feelings are invalid. I'll never say that. But should they be in the driver's seat all the time? I don't think feelings should indicate what you're going to do that day or, or next week. Well, I don't, I don't feel like it. You wouldn't let your closest friends just live that way. I don't feel like going to dinner anymore. I don't feel like coming to a small group. I don't feel like, whatever, fill in the blank. I don't feel like doing this right now. No, you wouldn't let yourself just live that way all the time. And yet, we do this all the time. I'm guilty of it too. That instead, we just live by how we're feeling that day. Well, I made the commitment, and I said I'd do this thing. I think, I think people who who are earnestly seeking to be satisfied in, in, in Christ, satisfied in the Lord, I think they are people who, who really understand their feelings and understand their emotions, but they don't live that way. But they live by faith. And then just the, the, the third thing is just that these are folks, I think, who are consistent in the small things. And I think it's easy to get caught up for me at least, maybe for you. I think it's easy to get caught up in just expecting that God only moves in the big things. Oh, pastor, better be a good word today. I need God to move in a big way in my life. I need to do this, you know, while we've maybe neglected our own Bible and our own worship and our own things, you know. But, but pastor, you need to give a good word today. We'll approach someone on the prayer team. Listen, God told me he's going to meet me here in a big way. What is it? No, no. I, I think people who are hungry, they're thirsty, they're, they're growing with God. I think, I think these are folks who are consistent in the smaller things, in, in the same things, in doing those same things over and over and over and over. I mean, do you, do you get stronger in the gym if you go once a week? Maybe if you hit it three or four or five times a week. Like, well, like what is it? You do the same thing, right? Repetition. Consistent in the small things. Now, 
Jesus ends this beatitude with a word that is difficult, maybe. It's, it's, satisfi- it's satisfied. Satisfaction. For they will be satisfied. Like, isn't it like ridiculous how the Snickers commercial comes to mind and now it's all you can think of? That thing's been around for a decade and it's still as relevant as ever, right? You're not you when you're hungry. Here, have a Snickers. Have you ever actually tried that? Have you ever thought, you know, I am hungry. I will reach for crap right now because I need to feel like it. Well, just so you know, I did that two weeks ago. I, it was, it was like, I, I think my kryptonite falls between 1.30 p.m. and 4 p.m. I'm just kind of, I, my mind just gets hazy and I'm done and, and I can't really function that well. So in that, I'm susceptible to settling for bad diets, whether it's intake of media or literal diets. And so a couple of weeks ago, I think, you know, what could get me through dinner? My kids still have a ton of Halloween candy. Let me go, let me go just look around in it. And you know, in the moment, in the trial, because that's what this was, and in this time, I thought, God, you're going to come through for me. And wouldn't you know what a full-size Snickers was at the bottom? And I thought, I'll be satisfied. So I go down to my office with a cup of coffee. And you know what? For 15 minutes, it was pretty nice. A little coffee, little Snickers, not a, nah. regular Snickers is what it was. But you could probably take a guess as to how I felt maybe 40 minutes after that. Right? Right? I think my head was down and I was not praying at my desk, okay? It was, it, it was, it was different. Like, but we believe the opposite will somehow happen all the time when we reach for bad diets, right? Eat like crap and you'll be satisfied. That's such a lie, right? And you don't need to be a CrossFitter to, to know that that is a lie. Now, more seriously, other things promise different outcomes. Other things will say, hey, in your weakness, reach for this, you'll be satisfied. Okay, we have other examples of this. You have the promises of pornography. You have the promises of getting drunk and escaping things. You have the promises of staying in a bad relationship. You have the promises of people pleasing. They will all claim to satisfy your needs, but do they really? You're feeling lonely. There's some sort of sexual need. Just reach for pornography. Do you need escapism? Have you had a bad day? You, you, you have some vodka in the back of your fridge. People would understand, right? Do you need to feel wanted? Maybe stay in the abusive relationship because, hey, it's better than feeling alone sometimes. Do you, do you hear these things? Do you hear how ridiculous that sounds? That's a bad trade, right? I, I'm convinced all Esau needed was a good friend. A good friend to tell him, you don't want that. You don't need that. Don't settle for that. You're selling your inheritance for that? I think so many of us, we just need a good friend to come alongside us and tell us a little bit of truth. Don't settle for that. Don't lower yourself to that. It's just, I think, a steady diet like that, like junk, a steady diet of sin, of of whatever, I just think it has a way of making life become meaningless. I think it has a way of of distracting us from purpose. And it reminds me of this little example in in, in the book, Wild at Heart, where author uh, John Eldridge, he tells a story where he used to live next to a zoo. And he lived so close, he says, he could hear the lion roar at night. 
And so when you think of a lion, you think it's fierce, it's tough. I mean, it's a lion. And he wrote about how he thought it was always so cool that he would hear this lion roar every night when the sun went down. He thought it was so cool until the day he met the lion. Because when the, the day came that he met the lion, he saw it there in its cage, and it was lying there. It was not standing tall. It was not proud. It was laying down and watching people walk by. He said he peered into the eyes of this lion, and he didn't see the fierceness, the toughness that we associate with lions, but he saw a longing. He saw a life of convenience for the lion that robbed the lion of purpose. And he said he never, he never really came back from that. It affected him so much because that night he went outside and he waited to hear the lion roar and he heard the same roar, but he heard it completely different. He didn't hear the ferociousness, but he had context. And so for him, he said he heard longing. This roar was this desire for something more being made for more. And so like this lion, so many of us will feel stuck that life has been lived and we feel like we have been left behind. We fought the wrong battles. We focused on the wrong things. We gave up the things that are most important for the things that were just most convenient, but it always catches up to us. And we look back and we think, why am I so dissatisfied? Where's that peace that I was promised? Where's that faithfulness that was promised to me? I think poet Ed Sisman, he put it this way, and this applies for all people, but, but he wrote, men past 40, get up nights, look out at city lights, and wonder where they made the wrong turn and why life is so long. That's why when a midlife crisis comes up, I don't really joke about it. I think it's a very real thing, and I think it is reflective of the longing that we settled for what was convenient. Well, I got the six-figure job, I got the house, I got the spouse, I got the kids, the dog, the cat, whatever. I got two cars, whatever. And yet life is meaningless. I got it all, I got all the stuff. It's because you got a bad diet. It's because you're not, you're not using your hunger for, for what you need. Now listen, there's nothing in the Bible by accident, okay? In Matthew, it says those who hunger and thirst. Uh, I believe in Luke's account of this beatitude, it doesn't have the word thirst, which is interesting. But we, we read in Matthew today, so go with me for a second, because in it, it says who hunger and thirst. There's actually a situation, as I'm wrapping up, about this, where Jesus, he meets this woman at this well, and she is there to get water, she thinks. But she starts interacting with this guy named Jesus. And her life is completely changed. And in their back and forth, Jesus reveals he knows a lot about her. And, and, and she begins thinking, you're a prophet. There's something else going on. Like, what's, what's happening with you? And then it all kind of culminates. This is from John 4, picking up in verse 13. It says, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water, he's pointing to the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Is there anyone here today? I just feel like you need to feel that joy again. You need to feel that hunger for God again. Do you want to get excited about actually picking up your Bible and wondering what you're about to read? 
Because that's the thing about, about hunger, is that, is that when you fill that hunger with the right things, I, you really are satisfied. There is, there is a sense of belonging. There is a sense of purpose. There is so much more than just settling for awful food, settling for awful habits all the time. And so if you are here today and maybe you've lost your passion, you feel like life is just blowing by you, you've lost your purpose for life, then how else can I say this other than you need Jesus? And the prerequisite as Jesus has laid out is hunger. Are you feeling stale? Do you feel like you, you, you've lost a bit of passion? There's some vibrancy that you once had, but that's just the memory of when you were younger and now life has just beat you up and beat you up and you're just longing for that hunger again. And you're just saying, why am I dissatisfied? I think it's time that we fast. In, in, in a very real sense, church, I think it's time that we fast and, and that we decide to make changes in our lives on purpose, that we're not just reacting to life anymore, but that we are making calculated attempts to get that purpose back, to hunger for God once more. I want to challenge us to fast. Maybe that means from food. Maybe it means from specific food. Maybe it means from caffeine. Maybe it means from social media. As my friend said last week, I think, I think social media is our generation's cigarettes, and we won't know its effects until much later, and everyone will wonder, why did we settle for this? Why did we let this thing happen all the time? I think we need to make room. We need to make space. We need to fast, church. I want to challenge you in your life. What, what do you need to fast from? What's maybe even, let's, let's use a churchy word like idol. What's an idol in your life that you are just holding on to? Maybe it's, it's not outright obvious sin, but maybe it's still something that's taking the place of God. What is that for you in your life? I want to invite our, our worship team back up. Church, this is a real challenge for, for all of us. I want to challenge all of us. I'm on the other side of Thanksgiving, so I know it's, it's possible that we take a deliberate and intentional time to fast. What will you fast from just this week? Just the rest of the day. What if we start low? Just the rest of the day. God, I, I want to I be hungry for you. I want to thirst for you. I want to grow with you, so I'm going to go without. What will you go without? Because the hunger has a way of reminding you that you need to be fed. And I think hunger has a way of reminding you of your purpose. Because when you're hungry, when you're hungry, you're going to reach for something. What are you going to reach for? Don't, don't just react and, and find yourself in a drive-thru again. No, like be calculated, be responsible, think through these things. What are you going to fast from this week? Sure, uh, the whole analogy today was food. It doesn't have to be food. Can we purposefully fast? Maybe for you it's gossip. You just can't rein it in. Shut up. Maybe for you, it's just there's, there, there, there's a bad habit that you have every night before you go to bed. Leave your phone plugged in up in the kitchen. Well, it's my alarm clock. God's going to tell you to go buy a real alarm clock. Those exist, okay? <laughs> well, this, well, who cares? Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Can we purposefully make room to hear from God, to experience God, to grow in our hunger for God? I'll go with you. I'll do it with you, okay? What are we going to choose to do? What are you going to choose to do? 
because we need this and you can't let another day of your life go by without this. Are you hungry for God or do you feel stale? Then change it up. Change it up. You can't just keep getting by on these, on, on these uh, uh, quick hits, on this bad diet of whatever. You gotta change it up. Let's change it up today. If you wouldn't mind to please stand, I wanna, I wanna pray for us as, as we go back into, into worship. So we say, Heavenly Father, um, I know your, your word is, is alive and it's, and it's active, and, and we have that, that beautiful analogy that, that connects us to Christ, obviously, his being, his living, his perfect life for us. Um, but God, your word, the simple understanding is that your word is alive and active helping us to discern the things in our heart. God, maybe we just need a page a day, a chapter a day. Maybe we just need to, to open one of the Gospels. Maybe we just need to open Galatians. Maybe we just need to settle ourselves before the day gets started. Maybe we need to anchor ourselves in something of substance We've been trying and trying and trying and fighting and fighting and fighting. And maybe we've accumulated a, a good amount of wealth. Maybe we've accumulated the life that we always thought we wanted. But it's meaningless. There's no substance. God, bring the fire back to us. But I know that requires sacrifice. And so for us, I pray that this week we would choose sacrifice, that we would choose to go without, that things that cause us to stumble, we would take off our phones, that maybe relationships that just are not good for us, that are not beneficial for us, that you would help us to manage those in a different way, in a purposeful way. God, meet us in our weakness and help us to see ways that we can grow. Our, our hearts ache for you. Or maybe for some, we know our hearts should ache for you, and they're not. Give us the courage, the wisdom, the ability to fast in a very real way this week. As we go into this time of worship now, minister to us, speak to us. As a church, as we consider these words, that we would first let these things settle on ourselves. Because there is a longing that we all have. And as we say, you belong here. So my prayer is that we would feel that this is our community and we can be real and we can let down our walls, we can let down our guards and just be real with one another. Speak to us. Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen.